just an awesome presence today as we celebrate and remember what he's done for us amen today i want to talk to you for just a few moments about out of first john chapter 5 and verse 6 through 8 amen first john chapter 5 verse 6 through 8 This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the father, the word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. I want to talk about the agreement here in the earth. I want to talk to you this morning about the spirit, the water, and the blood. The spirit, the water, and the blood. I think that during this time of communion and this time of of seeking the Lord and just remembering what he has done and then also... Uh, following today at the end of the service we will be celebrating water baptism so i think maybe this scripture more than any other would sum up in a nutshell real quickly why we do what we do because how many believe you need to know why you do what you do amen and when we look at this scripture i think that it should cause us to be thankful for what Jesus Christ has come to give us life uh, here on earth. Amen. And John here, he, we see the story of salvation wrapped up in this verse. First of all, he, he says that these three agree in the earth and the first being the spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that draws us to Jesus. Our flesh don't want anything to do with, with God. It doesn't want anything to do with living right. It doesn't want anything to do with uh, coming in subjection or submission to the Spirit. It always wants to do its own thing, but the Spirit draws us to God. And I'm thankful today, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17, it said, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let those who hear say come, and let those who thirst say come. Whoever desires, let them come and drink of the water freely. Amen. And so he is telling us here today that the Spirit of God draws us. In fact, the Bible says that that the Spirit draws us, and, and we can't even come to the Father except the Spirit draws us. So I'm thankful today for the Spirit of God. I'm thankful today for his Holy Spirit that still pulls on our heart, amen, to come away from fulfilling the lust of the flesh and the desires of the flesh, and we come into the place of the righteousness of God. Because the Spirit doesn't just come to, for, to check, uh, point out our sin, but the Bible said he comes to convict us of sin and of righteousness. Right? 
And so he, he comes to point out the righteousness that Christ has given us and who we are in Christ Jesus. But he also comes to convict us of sin. It, it, notice it did not say he come to condemn us. Condemnation is not of God. That's religion. Amen. That's religion. Religion will condemn you. It'll try to make you feel bad. It'll try to, to get you to do something by manipulation. Y'all quiet here today. But when Jesus, when the Holy Spirit comes, he does not come to condemn us, but he comes to convict us of things that are wrong in our life. And I don't know about you, but I, I've been saved a little while now, but I'm still thankful for the good Holy Spirit that will convict me. I don't want God to ever turn me over like the Burger King commercial, have it your way. Because if I have it my way, my flesh will control and dominate my life until I will do the will of the flesh instead of the will of the spirit. But I'm thankful for the good Holy Spirit that will still rise up in my life and check me and say, hey, that, that isn't the right way to go. That's not the direction you need to take. It'll, it'll check me and say, this is some things that need to shift. You need to get rid of that right there in your life. It, the Holy Spirit will come and convict me of what is wrong. And, and some people want to get rid of that. And some people are ashamed or embarrassed. But I'm thankful today for the Holy Spirit, amen, that will convict me and not and love me enough. You know, if you, if, if you love your children, you don't let them go out in the middle of, of Route 64 and play. If you see them going toward the interstate, you, you protect them. You say, no, no, that you, you ain't going out there. Because even though they may uh, throw a fit and a temper tantrum, you're still going to stop them. That's what the Holy Spirit does. We may The flesh wants to do a thing, but the Holy Spirit will come and convict us and say, that isn't good for your life. You, you need to go in another direction, praise God. And I'm thankful today the Holy Spirit will still convict us. <laughs> and then he talks about the blood Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 and according to the law almost all things are purified by with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin Adam had it all he had the garden he had everything was in the garden that he ever had need of. He had food. He had everything pertaining to life and godliness. And the Bible says that there was the, the food was there. Everything that he needed was there. Amen. And and, and even the, the Bible describes a, a river that flowed through the garden and there's gold in it. Read, read your Bible. It's there. And, and there's gold there. So everything Adam needed was in the garden. But how many know that the enemy can be slick? He can, he can talk you in or out of things. And that's what happened. Adam started giving ear to the enemy. And, and Eve and Adam began to, to fulfill their own desire. And they, they gave up everything for a piece of fruit. Because of Adam's choice, we are all born into sin. We are not born into this world like Christ. We are born into this world like Adam.
Amen. David said it like this. He was said, I was born in sin and shapen in iniquity. And so we see that we were born into this sin, Adamic nature. Adam is our father, right? And we've taken on his nature and his character. And so we see that Adam and Eve would cover themselves with leaves, but it, it was not sufficient because you see the leaves would only cover their outward side. They would cover their flesh. They would cover their body, but it would not cover their soul. And even though that they were covered on the outside with now a garment of leaves, their spirit man, their soul still told them that we are naked. Amen. Because it's the spirit of man that that really is what counts. And so now Adam goes and, and God looks for him and he says, Adam, where are you? I mean, no, this morning God wasn't asking Adam because God didn't know where he was at. He was asking Adam, why are you in this condition? Why are you in this place? Where are you in your life? And Adam said, we're naked and we're afraid. He had clothed himself, but it was not a man of garment that was able to clothe his soul. The very first clothing that Adam and Eve had, I believe, was the glory of God. And it was sufficient to cover them. Hallelujah. And they were not ashamed and they were not embarrassed, but they would have commune and have relationship with God as he would come in the cool of the evening and he would have relationship with them. But now as a result of man's sin, there comes a need for man to be able to make their way back unto God and have a relationship with God. So there was a sacrifice. There was offerings, right? In the Old Testament, they would bring turtle doves. They would bring a sheep. They would bring a goat or they would bring an oxen. And it had to be a spotless land. It had to be a spotless turtle dove. You couldn't just bring anything, but you had to bring your best, huh? And so they had to bring their best without blemish and without spot. And the priest would take that, that, that lamb and he would be slain. He would be killed and the blood would be taken from the lamb. And then there would be the goat that they would call the scapegoat. And they would take the blood and place it upon his head. And they would release the goat to go back into the wilderness. And it would be symbolic of the, those sins being carried away into the wilderness. But whenever Jesus came, he not only uh, was sufficient to be the lamb, the spotless lamb, but he would also be the scapegoat, the sin that you and I carried. We should have died. The sin that you and I carried should have been in hell today. But praise God, Jesus came and stepped up and said, I'll be the lamb that was slain. Amen. And now his blood would be applied and he said, I'll also be your escape goat. You won't have, yes, we were guilty of sin. Yes, we were guilty as charged, but praise God, he took our sin and he carried it away. In fact, he never said just in a wilderness, but he said as far as the east is from the west, it'll never be remembered against you any longer. I'm thankful today that he didn't have to do it, but he was willing to do it. And he said, yes, I will be 
that sacrificial lamb. I will be the blood. He was a pure lamb. He was a holy lamb. He was a spotless lamb. In fact, they would take him and they would bring him to Pilate's hall, but they could find no fault with him. He said, I wash my hands of this man. There's nothing that I can find. He's not guilty of anything, but yet he died for you and I anyways. He died upon the cross. He died until the sun wouldn't shine. He died until the centurion repented. He died until law turned to grace. But whenever he got up on resurrection morning, he said, I want you to write it down. I'm the one that was dead, but now I'm alive and alive forevermore. And I'm going to go sit at the right hand of the father and make sure you get everything that I've paid for. Amen. And so we were guilty as charged, but he came and he carried it away. Isaiah 53 and 4 said, surely he's borne our grief and he carried our sorrows. And we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. (laughs) That word born there means he accepted and carried away. I want to stand today and thank God, not just for what he has brought to me, but what he's taken away. Amen. Is there anything in your life that you're thankful that God carried away? Any guilt, any shame, any addiction, any problems, any sickness, huh? any depression, any sin that Jesus accepted it and he carried it away. Amen. He took it away from us and we should be thankful for the moment that we give God everything and he carried it away. And it's not just praising him for what we have, but thanking him for what he took away because he took my anger away. He took my sickness away. He took diction away. Amen. He took my problems away. He took it and he carried it into that sea of forgetfulness where it can be remembered against me no more. And I'm thankful for the blood that has done that for me. Hallelujah. (laughs) You know, whenever he was out there and, and blessing people, he had great crowds, huh? He called them multitudes that would come And as long as he was healing the sick, as long as he was delivering, as long as he was setting the oppressed free, as long as bondages were being broken and yokes were being destroyed, they were thronging him, pulling from him. But then he took this road to the garden. I talked to you a little bit about it the other week. It it is a private place. It is a, 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 a quiet place. But when he went to the garden, there wasn't thousands. There wasn't hundreds. There weren't even 12. The three he talked into going fell asleep. Huh? But it was in that place that he got victory for you and I. It was in that place that he said, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. But he didn't stop there. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. 
I'm thankful that he, he won that battle that day, that he could bring us to a place that we could have life and have it more abundantly. That we are like any other people group on the face of the earth because we don't have just a, a hope in the pie in the sky, but we have a blessed hope that's right here, right now. That to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. <coughs> But they could find no fault with him. But they hung him on a cross anyways. They put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. They put a crown of thorns upon his head. They mocked him. They spat upon him. They ridiculed him. If you be the son of God, come. why don't you just come down off of that cross? They were hurling their remarks and their accusations. They're spitting upon him. They're degrading him. But all along, while he was hanging there, they was, he was fulfilling the purpose of Father God that you and I in 2014, a hopeless nation, a hopeless people, a godless situation without hope and, and depression and trouble on every hand, that in this time, that prayer precious blood would flow generations down through eternity and would come to where you and I are today and still redeem us. The blood has never lost its power. The blood is still the same today as it has ever been. And just one touch of his blood can redeem us from the curse of the law. Just one touch of his blood will redeem us from the sin, the shame, and the iniquity that years of, of bad living have done to our life but just in one moment in his presence touching the blood of Jesus Christ will shift everything in our lives darkness will have to go sin will be removed and his joy his gladness and his peace will come to us hallelujah <coughs> that day they took a sword and they pierced his side and when they pierced his side, the Bible said that blood and water came forth. Doctors will tell you it's a sign of a heart exploding. That inside, when a heart explodes, it will, it will bleed, but it also, the water will, will bust inside. I believe hanging on that cross that day, that our Savior's heart exploded for lost humanity for a world that needed a redeemer and he was willing to pay the price there's no way that we could we could paint the picture of that day there's no way that we could get this the understanding of what he really did that day that we can have life this morning but not only is it a picture of a heart which explodes, but it is also the picture of a woman that gives birth. Because blood and water, it comes forth whenever there is birth. We see that when Adam was in the garden, he said it's not good that man should be alone. And so God takes from his side, he takes from his side and he brings forth a helpmate. A wife, a bride, huh? 
And now Jesus, some years later, would hang upon the cross and he too would give birth from his side. He would give birth to his bride. He would give birth to this, what would be known as the church. Amen. And he said, your bone of my bone and your flesh of my flesh. He has called us. He has brought us into relationship with him so that we don't have to be alone, but we can be thankful because of the blood of Jesus Christ that we have been redeemed and we have been called his bride. Somebody give him praise this morning. So his spirit draws us, his blood saves us. And then the water, these three make witness in the earth. The spirit, the water, and the blood. The water represents the washing and the separation. The Bible speaks in Ephesians 5 and 26 of the washing of the word. How many know you can, going through this life, you can get dirty not even meaning to? Yes. I mean, I can, I can go outside and don't do nothing and come back in a mess. And spiritually, we can walk through this life not intentionally, just going through work, going through life, and we can get messy. And we need the washing of the word. We need this water to wash us and to cleanse us. Amen. And to cause us to realize that we need the washing of the word. Amen. The water is the Holy Spirit and it cleanses us. It washes us. The blood of Jesus washes our sins away. It washes our shame away. It washes our past away. And he said, behold, old things are passed away and behold, all things become new and we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Not only does it wash us, but it separates us unto God. The separation picture, I believe, of water baptism is that that is found in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 4. He said, then I will uh, harden Herod, or Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all the army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord and they did so. Amen. Here God is saying that they, they have more respect and believe that Pharaoh is greater than I am. I mean, no, America's got that problem. They think there's a lot of things that are bigger than God, but the devil is a liar. There is nobody that is greater than our God. In fact, one of his names is El Elyon. He's the most high God. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Amen. He said he thought it not robbery to give him a name which is equal to God. Huh? And so he is that awesome God. But in this world, we, we like Pharaoh began to look like he was bigger than them. But how many know God can use your enemy sometimes to get you to a place to bless you? 
If we, if we are not careful, we'll get comfortable. Even if it's not a good situation, we'll get comfortable where we are and we'll stay there. But God has a way of saying, I'll just use Pharaoh to push them into the place they need to be so that I can reveal my glory, that I can show them something they've never seen before. And so he said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. I'm going to use him to push them to the place of blessing. And that's exactly what he did. The children of Israel would be pushed into a place of the Red Sea. And it's a shadow and a type of water baptism. Israel had this problem of turning back. They wandered in a wilderness that caused them to turn a few day trip into a 40 day wandering. So God used Pharaoh and his army to bring God's people to the Red Sea. And when they got there, the water rolled back. <coughs> huh? And when it rolled back, it didn't just roll back for a few moments. Somebody... Some deep theologian figured out that the Red Sea where the, the children of Israel crossed over was just, a, uh, just a, a little foot and a half, two foot deep. And there was a preacher that wasn't real profound and real smart and real educated that began when the, he, this deep theologian told the class that, that it was just a couple of feet deep where they crossed over. This, this man jumped up and started shouting and carrying on. And he said, what in the world? What's wrong with you? He said, that's a bigger miracle than I thought. He said, what you talking about? He said, all of Pharaoh's army drowned in two foot of water. Some these modern day theologians are no more than, than foolish people trying to bring God down to our level. But I want you to know it was a miracle. He didn't just roll the water back for a few moments, but the Bible said it was rolled back all night. The wind was blowing to dry out the ground under the water, and they crossed over. It takes some time for about three million people to get across an ocean. It wasn't just something that happened in a split moment, and then it was over, but it took some time, and every single one of them got across that Red Sea. In fact, the Bible said they walked on dry ground. And when they got to the other side, he had Pharaoh's heart so hardened that they would pursue them. And in the middle of that ocean, Moses would stick his rod back over the water and the waters would roll back in and destroy Pharaoh and his army. I want to tell you today that God has a way of bringing us to a place that he can show us his power. He can show us his greatness. We may be fretting. We may be worrying at this moment saying, what are we going to do? The enemy's coming against us. The Red Sea is before us, but we've got to do like Moses. God said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. For these Egyptians, which you see this day, you shall see them again no more. Glory to God. I want to tell you that because that the enemy had pursued them and pushed them and pushed them, and you may feel like you're being pushed today, but I want to tell you that the God that you are serving is greater than the enemy that is against you. And if you'll put your trust in him, your confidence 
than him. Yes, the Red Sea may be there. Yes, your enemy may be on your tail, but hold on and keep on praising him. Be obedient to him because he's about to show you a miracle. The Bible said they rolled back and then the Egyptians came in and the water overflooded them. But I believe it's more important that not only was his enemy destroyed, but God put a stop to Israel going back. Because he closed up the, <laughs> the Red Sea. And now they're in a new place. Huh? Doing something they've never done. And God said, you can't go back anymore. That is the picture of baptism. <laughs> so that's the picture of baptism. <coughs> it is a liquid grave. I'm almost done. <clears throat> Which I wouldn't put a lot of stock in. <laughs> it's a liquid grave. How many know we're to do what Jesus did? And he went and he died, right? And they buried him in a tomb for three days and three nights. Now, how many know that if uh, we go out there in the cemetery and digging graves and laying down there for three days, we gonna, somebody else is going to come with white jackets and we're going to take another little visit. And so it's the like as principle. He, he has initiated water baptism to be like as us dying with Christ. And so it is a liquid grave that when we go down, we go down and Pharaoh's army, the enemy, sin is destroyed. And when we come up, we come up on the other side and the waters close up behind us. And it is symbolic that we're never going back to the world again. We're never going back to sin again. We're never going back to Pharaoh any longer. But we're going to follow Jesus for the rest of our lives. Amen. Not only that, but I believe that whenever Jesus went into the tomb that, that day, they were calling him Jesus. But when he came out of the tomb, they started calling him Christ. Because before all they could see was the Jesus, the natural. But when he rose up on resurrection morning, they seen that he was more than the natural, but they seen the Christ. Was he always the Christ? Yes, he was always the Christ. But there was something that happened on the other side of the tomb that people began to recognize and realize that there's something different about him. He's not only Jesus, but he is the Christ. He's the anointed one. He is the son of God. And I believe today that that's what baptism does. It's a place for us to take on what we've always been called by God. Amen. Yes, do we change our hair? Do, does our bodies change? No. But inside of us, there is a shift that we understand. And there is a call in our spirit that rises up inside of us to call out of us what God has put in us all along. And so whenever we go in, we go in Brian, we go in Jim, we go in Sally, we go in whoever we are. But when we come upon the other side we come in the likeness of Christ Jesus and we live out our lives
lives victorious. We live out our lives for him. And we say for me to die, for me to live as Christ, but for me to die as gain and to be absent from this body. Why? Because we know that we're ready for heaven. But until we get to heaven, we're going to let Christ live through us. And so when we are baptized, the old dies and is buried and the real you comes alive. Do you know there's a real you in you <laughs> that isn't even recognized until you come alive? And as long as you're in sin, you're dead. You're a dead man. You're a dead woman walking. But the moment that you come alive in him, the real you begins to live. The real you begins to live. And that's the reason why I've decided to follow him. Huh? I've decided to follow him. And there's no turning back. No turning back. Come, Jamie. We're going to sing just a course today. When that air pilot takes off down the runway... There's a place of commitment. Until he hits that place of commitment, he has the potential to pull back on the jets, to stop and never take off. But when he passes that point of commitment, he can never stop. He must go. I want to say to you today that thank God for salvation Water doesn't save us like some people tell you it does. There's no magic in the water. It's following Christ. Jesus was baptized. Huh? And whenever he was baptized, he rose in a new power that Father God would say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he would carry out his ministry. When we are baptized, we go into a place and say, I'm committed. And there's no turning back. And we live out the full potential of what Christ desires for us to be. If you're here this morning, my, my main concern today is for those who may not know Christ. For somebody who may have drawn cold and indifferent because that is a choice. God will allow you to make it. You're free moral agents. God will never leave you, but you can leave him. And so if that commitment and relationship is drawn cold and indifferent with him, I want to encourage you today to renew that relationship. If you're here today and you've never known Christ as your personal Savior, what an awesome time to do that. On this Thanksgiving weekend, let's say I've decided I'm going to follow him. I'm going to forsake the world and I'm going to follow Jesus. It's his Holy Spirit that we felt in this place today as we've worshipped and the atmosphere is conducive to us to feel his presence. He beckons at us. He draws us. But it's up to us to respond to him. And responding to him, he never turns us away. He never says no. He's always there loving, reaching out with outstretched arms, Desiring to have relationship with us. Amen. 
And so if you feel his presence drawing you today, I want to give you this opportunity today to say yes to Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together for a moment. Jamie, lead us in worship. Tell him. Still. 